Okay, you asked for it. Hit him! You just hit him! Welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. If you're joining us here, this is episode 34, and um, we finally have entered a new era of Gundam, the um, the Gundam free era, which will last about two episodes. <laughs> but I'm joined by Neil Lornak and Chris. In this episode, we're going to finally have another anime spotlight, this time on Gal Gygar. I know you guys have been waiting with bated breath for this one. We're excited. I know you are too. And also, we're going to discuss our favorite and least favorite cliches that are show, that show up in anime and um, mech, or mo- primarily mecha shows. But um, we're going to be discussing those as well. Before we go on, we got some exciting developments at Neo's News. Yeah, actually, we do have a lot of um, a lot of good stuff this uh, this news section. But I'm going to start off with a couple um, listener submitted news articles. And this one, first one, comes from the Demon Lord of L5. Haven't heard from him in a while. And uh, this is actually really nice because My favorite Scotsman? even though, um, yeah, send all hate to Soulbro, SBRMHQ at gmail.com. Once again, Funimation's really doing a great job of uh, trying to um, you know, appeal to all fans out there. They've announced that they're going to start streaming the original Captain Harlock via their website. They don't really currently hold their DVD rights to the series. They just have the digital video rights. So the entire series is available. And of course, this is the original series that aired in Japan in 1978. So I'm really kind of excited to see what it looks like, see if they did any touch-up. Chris, have you taken a look at it or anything? I've uh, seen some of the original Harlock, and uh, it's, it's, a, it's a great show. So I meant the Funimation version, because I've seen most of it, but it's off of VHS torrents. <laughs> so I didn't know if maybe uh, they had cleaned it up or anything like that. So. I haven't seen Funimation's version, but I presume they're, you know, they're using a decent yeah. video master. But uh, So all the uh, Harlock fans out there, definitely, if you haven't had a chance to uh, watch the show, I definitely uh, encourage you to watch it. And with this, I mean, this is such a great way to see it, but... Um, Another um, another article we have here, and this is uh, coming courtesy of a listener, Welder, and he got this through the CosmicEra.com website, and this I'm sure Solbro will have this uh, August 26th, probably already doing his pre-order, but there's going to, to commemorate the 30th anniversary of the Gundam franchise, Bandai Visual will release a compilation of all the openings and endings used in Gundam series and OVAs. And it's going to be called Gundam Ope Ed Collection. And wow. it's going to be divided into two volumes and for 3,000 yen each. And this will be released August 25th of this year. And the way that they're basically separating them is Collection 1 is going to be the 20th century and Collection 2 is going to be the 21st century. So, nice. And in the 21st century, you'll not only have the 15 dozen ones from Seed and Seed Destiny, but there's also going to be all the ones from the Gundam Evolves, MS oh. Igloos, uh, our favorite Nazi-themed uh, Gundam, <laughs> Igloo 2, of course, Double O, and Chris's favorite, SD Gundam Force. Oh, no way. 
But uh, that's it on some of the listener-submitted topics. And like I've always said, um, if you find any stories out there, some hard news or kind of WTF that you know relates to the stuff we talk about, it doesn't always have to be directly related to Gundam or Macross or something like that. But, you know, something that might be interested, go to the Neo's listener-submitted news thread on the Gundam forum in the Mechatalk forum. Actually, got prob- another widely distributed news article here, too, is that the second season of Gundam 00, you know, show we all know and love here, is Never heard become- of <laughs> I wonder how it is. I'll have to read some reviews. Or listen to some. Maybe is, some guy did that on our website somewhere. Yeah. Did, didn't he not only do it, uh, you know, uh, wrote them down, but he also did them verbally, I think, too. And I think some other guy probably plagiarized some of those reviews verbally also. We know that Sci-Fi Channel had shown Season 1, but uh, Season 2 is going to be coming on June 29th of this year. Our last news article that we have here, and um, this was kind of relates to something we talked about last show, uh, that there was going to be a big announcement that was going to coincide with the release of uh, Volume 8 of Gundam Unicorn. And that announcement is, a Gundam Unicorn anime has been officially announced. Uh, and this is kind of a first, because I've, like... I believe Chris has stated many times uh, on the show and you know, in, even in during, I think during our Megacon show that Gundam's never taken one of their manga offerings and made it into uh, any type of animated feature outside of something to push models. Not only are they going to be doing this anime based on Unicorn, but it's also going to be simultaneously released you know, th- throughout the world in 10 different languages, Japanese, English, German, French, and some others. We don't normally do this because this is usually reserved for the main part of the show, but uh, the spa- Straight Talk Express is going to be making a special appearance during the news section. What's that Chris? on the front of the Straight Talk Express? Oh, my God, it's blood. Yes. Troll blood. <laughs> so, uh, my friends, the Straight Talk Express. My friends, my fellow Americans. Okay, so uh, we didn't really mention uh, Unicorn before because weeks ago, you know, all these Italian blogs were talking about, oh, you know, Sunrise confirms Gundam Unicorn at, you know, Italian anime convention. Given the brouhaha that erupted over 0081 where everyone assumed it was going to be an OAV and there turned out to be just a PS3 game, when I heard this news, I was like, hmm, could be true. Let's just wait and find out to see what actually it is before getting all riled up again about something that may or may not be an anime. And also the fact that we're reading information in English that was translated from Italian that was translated on the fly at a convention from Japanese. You'd think that normally something would get lost along the way there, and you'd want to you know, be sure about that. But according to um, you know, the, the hive mind at 4chan's mecha board, that equates to me constantly denying the existence of Unicorn and me trying to deny it, and then eventually maybe I'll acknowledge its existence so that all of the uh, people who come to Mecha Talk but hate me, because most people at Mecha Talk hate me, it seems, uh, will now declare it to be the best series ever. So, you know, I said to myself while laughing and reading all of these uh, stupid troll posts, who am I to argue with the hive mind of 4chan? So I am officially announcing that MAHQ is going to be denying the existence of Gundam Unicorn forever. <laughs> so okay. uh, we're not going to talk about it on Gundam. I'm not going to review it on MHQ. In fact, I'm actually going to take down the Unicorn section, even for the novel. Ouch. I'm just going to deny its existence entirely. Damn. And... Um, I'm going to ban anyone on Mechatalk who uh, mentions Unicorn. Hell, 
hell, I'm going to just randomly ban people for no reason, starting with Momaru. Oh. oh. Somehow he keeps getting on, though. <laughs> I know. It's, it's amazing. He keeps circumventing those bans every single time. But, yeah, because I'm such a, a douchebag and a tyrant and people keep uh, sucking me off, I'm just going to start banning people and denying Unicorn's existence. So thank you, 4chan, for giving me the, uh, the guidance and the light to have this epiphany because now it's so easy for me. I'll just deny that a show exists and I don't have to review it. Right on. You know what? Let's make, for us. Just do whatever the hell I want. Makes us a lot. Makes life a lot easier for us. I Doesn't mean, it? Yeah, because I, I, I'm hoping. I mean, there's really no pl- really nothing's really been said on the length of it yet. I'm just hoping it's not anything like a like a double O because I don't want to have to go through that again. Sorry, so a year and just, a half. Just join me and deny its existence, and then it's yeah. like it never happened. What? But what's exactly. up? You know, I got the. I, I woke up this morning and I saw by my models this white, like master grade model. It's got a big point on its head, but I don't know what show it's from. It must be. It, uh, it must be a knockoff made by Bendy. Bendy, that's true. <laughs> so that's that's the first issue with the Straight Talk Express. Oh. Uh, the second issue is uh, with Gundam fans in general, not trolls. And I've been noticing a trend with, uh, with various uh, Gundam uh, print projects, whether they're manga or, or novels, and you guys have probably seen this too over the years, that the scarcity of a specific series is inversely proportional to how amazing people think it is. Yeah. In other words, the harder something is to get, the more people seem to like it, even yeah. though they don't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. And I've seen it happen uh, for a long long time with Gundam Sentinel, Crossbone Gundam, Advance of Zeta, and now Unicorn. And you have all these people talking about how, you know, they're such big fans of Unicorn and yada yada, and I'm thinking to myself, how can you be a fan of something you haven't read? Unicorn hasn't been released here, the novels, they haven't been translated in English. So, you know, it's like, of course, it's all based off of stuff like looking at pictures of the line art and maybe reading some chapter summaries translated by Deacon Blues or somebody else. That does not make you an expert. It's like if I said to you, hey, Solbro, I love Francis Ford Coppola movies, but I've never seen any of them. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't you think I was like a freaking retard? I'd be thinking you're talking about your ass. Exactly. <laughs> so I don't know how you can be a fan of something that you've never experienced. Yeah, you got to at least digest it in some way, shape, or form, it, you know, to, to at least to a level you can understand it. Yeah. Or, you know, get it, enjoy the experience before you can claim yourself a fan. You can have an interest in something, yeah. but you got res- to reserve judgment until, after, until you've actually consumed some of the show or the novel or the, or the manga or something like that. You know, I have interest in a lot of things, but yeah, I see what you're saying. You just can't come off and be a fan. But this has been something that's been in otaku dumb for quite some time. Oh, in, yeah. At least in America, where if a show is... I saw this happen with Naruto. If a show is not as well known, or you know, during the the birth of its um of its introduction onto the internet, people will be all about it. But as soon as it starts to become, as soon as it blows up, it becomes mainstream. Then they hate say, it in America. Because... Then they then they hate it. All that love they put into it, they, the coin flips, and they they just start to hate it. And I think that's wishy washy. Of course, Honestly, and too. it's like like with Naruto, it's like oh, you stupid Naruto, you're watching on Cartoon Network, and you stupid. It's like exactly. It's like it's only good to you because you're this exclusive little club watching it fan sub and you're watching something that nobody else can see and then the moment a lot more people can watch the show then it suddenly sucks and those people are morons exactly but um this thing with unicorn it's like okay it's a universal century series that's nice let's not think that it's the best thing ever just because it's universal century and because it has like some old mobile suit designs from 
previous shows and it has some characters from previous shows. You've got to actually see what the story is because even though it's set in this time period and it could potentially be a good story, it could also be a complete piece of shit. Yeah. We don't know that. Crossbone Gundam is something that people have universal adoration for, and I've read the first like volume or two. It's good stuff, but it's not the second coming of Jesus. And I'll <laughs> I'll agree with that because I've I've read the first two volumes too, and it's a decent story. But yeah, it, it's just a Gundam side story. Yeah, it's, it's not it's you just, know like the best thing ever since sliced bread. So not, nothing was nothing seemed that different. It's not registry. Well, it's not that it's not registering. I mean, I enjoyed it, and I'll, I'll continue enjoyable. to read it. It's enjoyable. It's good it. stuff, but it's like, but you it's hear some like, talk about yeah. it, you know, like, like it's, you know, the, the, the holy scripture you yeah. know, of Gundam come down Damn. from the heavens. Yeah, let's not crown, uh, and I'd have to second Chris on this, too, because let's not crown Unicorn as being better than Zeta or like a turn A wow. or something like this before. People saying because, it? Because, wow. <laughs> you know, well, I mean, when they're talking about how it's going to be the greatest the greatest Gundam show. I mean, Zeta Gundam is, in most regards, the greatest of the show. Well, so it's I, like, I'm you know, let's just, to, to let's watch just it. do it. And, and the other thing that I'd have to defend Chris, too, is like, I was pretty conscious of, you know, gathering in news because news flashed to everybody. Chris doesn't force me to do any of the, the stories here. I completely do this all on my own and, and grab what. And, you know, sometimes he'll, you know, interject something, you know, that might be important just because he knows that I'm not always connect to the stuff like he is. But this whole thing, when it came down to the unicorn thing from the Italian convention, I was completely with them there, too, because did I, like, suddenly wake up and Italy became the center of the Japanese animation universe? Because, you know, there's so much stuff, and, and there's lots of people out there that like to mess with people and put up false rumors and stuff like that. We like were just, Dragon Ball AF? Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. So it's like, you know, just because he's not reporting or we're not reporting, we're tr- actually trying to be responsible and seeing, hey, look, this is, uh, you know, waiting. before we start making claims on things or anything like that, let's, let's make sure that this stuff is going to come through. Let's Richard. wait to see it. And here's a basic journalistic principle for people who aren't you know, aware of this, but you don't have to even have a journalism degree like I do. A piece of news comes out from a single source and a bunch of other, let's say, outlets, they cite that source and each other as their sources. Yeah. That is not like multiple confirmations. If everyone is citing this one source and that source turns out to be wrong, you're all wrong. So if cite Giovanni's Gundam blog cites Mm -hmm. this and then like 20 other blogs cite him, or they cite another blog that's citing him. That's not independent confirmation. Yeah. Which is all I wanted. It's not some crazy kind of thing. But my appeal to Unicorn fans, because number one, we still don't know what kind of project this is going to be. It could be a movie as originally announced. Oh, wow. Even though one of the blurbs mentions uh, an episode one in the magazine, it could be a Stargazer 15-minute couple episodes thing. It could be a Noivy. Oh. It could be a TV show. It could be anything. Yeah. But let's not get all like super hyped up about it when we know nothing about it. Exactly. Because personally, I mean, even though I'm glad that there's another Gundam product coming out, I would say I'm more excited about the Double O movie than I am about Unicorn because I have experience with Double O. I've seen it over the last year and a half, and I've enjoyed it immensely. And these are characters that I know and a story that I'm familiar with. Unicorn, to me, even though I've, obviously, I do the, the, the mecha section, it's mostly a mystery to me because, obviously, I don't read Japanese. And if I did, then, yeah, I'd read the novels. But until I actually experience the story, I'm not going to ascribe, like, all sorts of uh, qualities to it that I don't know if it has or not. And I mean, and, and like you said, I mean, we're so early in the game that we just don't know. And 
it's great that they're bringing back something in the Universal Century. I'm completely happy, but let's not crown something before it even comes out. Because, like Chris said, we don't know what incarnation it might be. Could it, be Stargazer. When it comes to rumors on the internet, I, I, I love rumors because they get people excited. But when you let it get, when you let it run away with you, and next thing you know, um, you get upset about the truth of the situation, you only have yourself to blame. So um, don't let rumors run out of control. Just just see them as a as a hint of what's to come. And um, hopefully whatever the rumor is about is true, as long as it's positive. And I'll start the rumor, Unicorn's going to suck. <laughs> but it, how can it suck if it doesn't exist? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, how can it be good if it doesn't exist? Exactly. So uh, I, th- I think the Straight Talk Express is, is ready to uh, pull out of here. And yeah. uh, how fast do you guys think we'll get trolled once this episode comes out? Uh, the very next probably second. within the first 30 minutes, but that's fine. Can't wait. And um, I'll, I'll, I'll bet each of you $100 that it will involve um, douchebags, cocks, and... Mm-hmm. For, and for, forcing our opinion on others and, and hating others because they because our opinion differs from them, which is completely false because they, usually the people saying that are the ones that are doing that. So. You can't defy the hive mind and expect to but, live. Um, yeah, that was an exciting news section, and I really can't find any other way of closing it, especially with the... Special appearance of the Straight Talk Express, but of course. well, I, I got something to close it. I got. A, I actually have sure. an announcement this time, and you didn't okay. ask me. I, I was about to. Thank oh, you for wow. being a soul bro and I uh, to say too. in. But um, but go ahead, Chris. Any uh, any announcements there, Chris? Well, uh, you know, come the end of uh, May, I'm going to be going up to uh, Orlando and join you guys over at uh, JCon. Hell we're, yes. We're, we're not doing an official, you know, uh, Gundam panel. So if you see us there at the convention, uh, say hello in the Orlando area on. May 22nd to the 24th. We will be doing a gun dam. Maybe drunk in a hotel room. I don't know. Nice. Possibly. Possibly. Never know. Might be some Street Fighter 4, I think. Oh, let's hope. Could be. <laughs> but, um, but that's that's it on us. Saul, bro, take us out of here. Oh, no problem. I'd just like to add um, one last thing. Um, word to Bandai Entertainment USA for putting up the entire first seasons of um, Code Geass and Double O on um, YouTube. For those who don't know, you can go in there and watch all those um, all those episodes up there. We'll be back in a few minutes with more Gundam at MAHQ. A jackass. I'm with you, Bob. We talk this out. I don't see a need for that kind of language. Now, if you yeah. want to go outside right now, I'll no. take both of you. We're going to vote, right Alan. We're not going to fight. We're going to oh. vote. Let's vote. Let's vote, and then we'll fight. level nine and the thing about resident evil 4 is i mean it was great control but it was also because they had only one controller in existence to play the game right and so everything was built around the gamecube controller so that's why it kind of flowed right mm-hmm. um this is and when it came out and so when it came out for the playstation 2 later on it didn't feel as good mm. it didn't it still felt better on the Makes sense. Controller. Makes sense. But now you have Resident Evil 5 being made for PC, PS3, and 360. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it doesn't seem to flow as well. I mean, there's four different types you can choose from. I tried three of the four. Hmm. Well, I mean, thank God that we have two. I have two months, two or three months to get used to this control because it's going to take all three of them. You really think so? I mean, you don't think you don't feel like if you just kind of get into the groove of just like using one setup, it, it'll just kind of come yeah. to you eventually. Yeah, in three months. Oh, wow! 
So I, I play I play that game online with them. So, bro, we're both going ape. <laughs> it's a game. If he gets the money, he wins. If the bus blows up, he wins. What if you win? Then tomorrow we'll play another one. But I'm not available to drive tomorrow. Busy. Hey everybody, this is Chris. Welcome back to Gundam at MHQ. And uh, now that we're done with that dreaded Gundam, we're <laughs> going to be going back to um, MA Spotlights, which we haven't done in, what, like a zillion years? Seems like it. Yeah. A, a, zillion, a zillion episodes, both uh, ours and other shows. <laughs> yes. So uh, we're going to look into a show that's often requested, the other show that we talk about all the time without actually talking about. And yeah. that is the King of Braves, Gal Gygar. What? All right. So uh, we all enjoy this show. I know that uh, Solbro is the most recent convert. So as we did with uh, Past Spotlight, we're not going to talk too much about the plot. But obviously, this show deserves a little bit of background explanation since it's part of the Brave series that Sunrise did back in the 90s where they and Takara, the um, Japanese licensor of uh, Transformers, they teamed up year after year after year to have these toys, which were initially uh, very much like the late 80s Japanese Transformers. So starting in 1990, you had uh, Brave X Kaiser, and then after that, you know, at the end of that year, you had a new Brave show every year up until Gal Gagar from 1997, which was the last of the Brave series. Although there was a new Brave series introduced in a PS1 game, but it never actually got turned into an anime. Mm-hmm. So uh, Gal Gagar obviously is the most well-known of the Braves. It's also the only one that got released in America. It also got a epic OAV sequel, Gal Gagar Final, which we'll discuss in a little while. But basically with Gal Gagar, it's, it's your typical kind of super robot story. In the beginning, you got this magic kid, Mamoru, who uh, gets involved with uh, this group called the 3G that has all of these awesome robots, and they're fighting these evil aliens called the Zonders. And uh, there's this like emperor guy, Pazdar, and he has his four generals who go out and start a new stupid plan every week. <laughs> and that's kind of you know the the general like feeling of the show for the first half. You know, it's sort of a kids focused thing. Of every week, there's a new Zondarian monster, and of course, Gal Gagar kills it, and, and uh, Mamoru uses his magic kid abilities to purify the person who got turned into the monster. But, you know, even underneath that, there's a lot more than what's just underneath the surface. A whole cast of interesting characters, a lot of hot-blooded action, some fantastic stock animation. Yes. <laughs> and then in the second half of the show, uh, it switches gears, and you have these new villains, the, uh, the 31 ancient primevals, and you have an epic battle out in space. So uh, for right now, just talking about the show, um, I'll kick it to you, Solbro, since you're the most recent viewer. What did you think of Gal Gygar? Well, I'd always heard about it and um, always wanted to watch it. Finally, when I got to sit down and watch it, I was totally floored. When I first started watching it, I didn't realize, I watched the the American release of it, but um, the first set of DVDs was in English, so I actually watched the show in its first half in English, actually. Oops. um, (laughs) It kind of tickled me pink that Ash Ash Ketchum from Pokemon was the young kid. What what was... uh, Mamoru. Mamoru and then Guy, his voice was provided by um, Dean Venture from the Venture Brothers. So <laughs> I would know. I've always just watched it in Japanese. Well, good for you. Good for you. And uh, it was it was actually really cool. Um, some people might complain that it's formulatic, but I mean it was aimed towards kids. It's a monster of the week show, but it has undercurrents of something bigger. 
And if you watch the show long enough, you can start to see these things. What really tripped me out about the show is that when I watched it, it kind of took me back to when I was eight years old. It seemed like a combination of things I watched in the 80s, like Voltron and Bionic 6 and mm. Centurions <laughs> and Transformers. Why are you insulted if I say it it's, uh, reminds I, you of Voltron, reminds you of it? Don't crap that's on an Voltron, insult, first off, because you grew up watching it, too. But, um, I grew up watching it, but oh, please. God. Yeah, that's, that doesn't mean that it was good, because <laughs> looking back on it now without nostalgic glasses, yeah, Voltron is shit. But yeah. I'm just saying, some, though, things, it, have, it, some it, things have held. Right, but Voltron has not. Well, well, let me let me say Go Lion instead. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't even say that because that that's doesn't complete... make much of a difference because that was Swoboot sh- too. Yeah, and it's, and it's a completely different animal. <laughs> but no, it was like it was. It, what are you gonna it, say next? It reminds you of Gobots. <laughs> I'll never say that. Thank you. I hated Centurions, by the way, but I could see yeah, some of the elements of that. Yeah. Garbage. That was straight up show. and down. That was the show. <laughs> Okay, what show are we talking about again? Here? We're talking about Gal Gal Gar, but uh, there were hey. el- there were elements in the in that show that reminded me of all the shows I grew up with watching in the '80s, and I was completely delighted by that. From Guy himself to the robots like Chorujin and uh, Volfog and, and 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 all these characters, it was absolutely a treat to watch the show. And then when the when the vibe of the show changed halfway through and the focus shifted to the um, 31 Prime Evils, it became more intense. More, I would say a, even more adult. Um, although not nearly as adult as final, which we'll get into later, but um, it, it intensified all the way up to the final. And that last episode, absolutely amazing. Those are my overall thoughts of the show. Neil? Well, I will just say this, that it's, it's the most awesome show ever. Um, <laughs> and the reason being it's is really- because, yes, it's got all the same formulas and it's the same old stuff that we've seen time and time again. But... Right. They don't fall into the rut of like, there's really not, especially in the television show, there's not one really bad episode. There's only one episode that's kind of eh, and that's this one with the, the submarine. And <laughs> that, that one is the one that's just kind of, just kind of eh. But, you know, every other episode was solid. You knew that there was going to be, especially at the beginning when there was, um, you know, some poor stressed out Japanese person. And, you know, they get turned into the Zonder monster, you know, like the Zonda. Yeah. Like the, like the guy driving the truck that gets stuck in traffic and gets mad and he becomes a big steamroller and stuff like that. And and you know that like they're going to cause all this destruction and all this. And then, you know, 3G is going to have to show up and then the individual pieces of, of, of Gal Gygar are going to get beat up and then they're going to have to have, you know, the most awesome thing ever. And once it gets authorized, Final Fusion. And which is, I mean, just the, just the whole aesthetic of it. And it, it's just that each episode followed that formula, but it just never got old. They changed it enough. They changed whatever boondoggle plan uh, the, you know, the, Zond, you know, the Zonders had or the, you know, the Primevals later. They changed it enough where it was still entertaining. The amount of upgrades and new attacks and new techniques and everything, each episode. And, they, you know, especially as the show is getting... Um, later on in in the, in the series, I mean, you know, the problem with a lot of these robot shows, they, you know, especially the supers, is they stay with the final form or the you know the f- the final um, technique way too long. But um, you know, like Hell and Heaven, you know, not even a third oh, yeah. into the show, it's like destroying Gal Gygar. So they have to develop something else. And Silbro said it does take you back, but it's just it's just so well done in the aspect of as soon as you go for the opening credits, it's just like you it, an excitement, and there's always something building and gets you giddy. Yeah, it, it, it gets. I mean, you just get you just get excited, and you 
it's hard not to sit down and watch the television show and you could blow out like 10 episodes like that if if you weren't really paying attention. I mean, if you had nothing to do, you could blow out 10 episodes. I I would limit myself to only two episodes a day because it was just too much because it felt like it actually felt like if you took raw sugar mm-hmm. and mixed it with like um, you know, like the the the, the sugariest of a, a like a soda and then and then mainlined it into my into nice. my arm. That's what it felt like every day. <laughs> but, you know, a solid, solid show, an homage to all the old super robot shows and, and, and doing it where it's, you know, taking it to its, its own identity. And, and to it, it is a giant toy commercial. Like you said, uh, yeah, uh, it, it, made, it made me want to buy the toys. Oh, yeah. I want a King Jader. <laughs> me too. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's like Chris Who said. Want King Jader? And like Chris said, I mean, it, it, it's so uncommon to have something that is so fun, but can be so serious, but with some actually great characters. Because, you know, Guy and all the people of 3G, the president of 3G, yeah, he man. always, oh, God, that guy, his name always. Um, Tyga. Tyga. God, that guy was awesome. You know, him and the Mohawk dude, the professor, um, you know, Makoto, and, you know, and, and even... The guy with the uh, head lice. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, the, um, the, the, the guy that knew everything there was about computers. It was like... The but head nothing li- about personal hygiene. Yeah. Not a daggone head lice and stinky feet, I think. That, <laughs> that was the thing I remember about that guy. Let's just call him Stinky Pete. <laughs> yeah, oh, Stinky Pete. <laughs> Even the lovable stupidity of like a Mike, Mike Sounders, you know, because Mike it, Sounders. You, that was the guy. you get introduced to this and you're like, boy, this looks so stupid. But in the, by the end of that first episode, you're introduced to him. You're, you're like loving him. You're like, he's just so stupid, but I, I just can't, you know, I, I just can't hate him. You, you just can't hate Mike Sounders. And CD blaster. Yeah. <laughs> Dis- Disca X. Hey, uh, Mike Sanders and uh, and Basarov would be the uh, the best friends ever. Yes, they would. They, they would met. be. And even um, and even Marmaru, you know, because sometimes there's a little the the kid mascots there become mm-hmm. annoying. He never got annoying. He never did, man. And you know, and and they had a you know they had a, he had a pretty good place and everything. But I know we've we've talked about it many a times and we've referenced it and you know and I think we've. Talked about a show that we did a spotlight not too long ago, Gurren Lagann. You know, they're kind of the spiritual successors of each other. I will stay though, as as good as Gurren Lagann is, and I will lay this down right now, it's not as fun as Gal Gygar. I think Gurren Lagann's a little bit different, but, you know, because it, it, when it gets serious, it gets a little bit more serious. But I think just from, you know, and it, it's hard to compare because you're talking, you know, two different you know, well, lengths of shows, Gal- but, but people do compare, and, you yeah. know, and that's that's my thing, but uh, well, Gal Gadot is the is the is the super robot show of the nineties, yeah. and and Gurren Lagann has turned out to be oh, the super robot show of the two thousands. So. It's it's Gal Gadot is probably the one of all one of the top ones of all time. Mm. I mean, if if you really think about it. But um, Chris, uh, so I don't keep going on, and I know we have to go with final. Some of your thoughts of uh, the television show of Gal Gygar. Well, one of the things I see commonly complained about on the internet with Gal Gygar is that you know the first half is slow, it's stupid, formulaic, blah 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 blah. And I can't really agree with that completely because yes, yeah. you know it is kind of formulaic in the sense that you know every week there's a new Zonder to fight, and you know Gal Gygar saves the day, and Amaro purifies the Zonder. Mm-hmm. But there's an underlying story that's developing throughout that, and yeah. the thing that makes Gal Gygar stand out is the characters and the situation are so interesting that you don't care yeah. that week after week it's just cut and paste of 
some depressed or angry person gets turned into some weird, stupid monster. Yeah, Because exactly. it's just so awesome every time it happens. And like I said earlier, you know, the stock animation of Gal Gygar's transformation sequence is just so amazing that I sit through and watch it every single time. Well, exactly. You know, you know, it's funny that you say that, too, because the problem sometimes that you have with the use of stock animation is they a lot of times they get real lazy and they just always continue on with the same stock animation. A third through the show, they'll break up. They actually break up the way the final fusion is. You'll actually, it'll start in different areas. It'll end in different areas. And they don't always show just the normal, you know, the original final fusion. So mm-hmm. it never gets old. Remember and then, like you they- said, it's so awesome to see mm-hmm. that it's, and I mean, let's not even start till we talk about manual docking. Well, remember when they had to manually do it? Yeah, that's what that I'm was saying. Ex- that, that was, was the most awesome one ever. <laughs> But the original Final Fusion sequence is just so well animated yes. with so much detail that I could watch that a zillion oh, yeah. times. Yeah. Yeah. The epic music playing in the background. That's another thing. The series oh. has a really nice soundtrack. When it comes to Mamoru as the kid lead, you know, I liked him a lot. He wasn't annoying like a lot of other super yeah. robot kids are. Yeah. He was very likable. And another thing that made him stand out in this respect was um, you know, with this show, they put a lot, of an, a lot of an emphasis on the relationship with his parents. Yeah. So Thank his you. parents aren't like the typically clueless, you know, parents who have no idea that their like nine-year-old kid is running off to save the world every day. <laughs> hang it out. Hang which it out. Which is kind of evidence, which you kind of have to assume considering that Mamoru was delivered to them inside of a giant robot lion. Mm-hmm. So they kind of know that something's going on, but they're not just, like, completely clueless background props, which is something that yeah. I don't like a lot of, like, super robot anime shows is the parents are just, like, clueless adults. And you really see, you know, how much it is that they love Mamoru and how they want to protect him. And, and, you know, you really see that they have a real relationship, which is very rare to see, like, a real yeah. Yeah. parent-child relationship in an anime, especially one like this. And, Fa- and especially when they're his adoptive parents. They're not yeah. even his real parents. So. Well, Family Ties was a huge, was a huge um, theme in the show, even between Guy and his own dad. And later on, when he, you know, he reunites I with I was saying you were going to start talking about Alex Keaton or something. Oh, man. Alex, Alex P. Keaton? Oh, no, uh, let me not, not get started that. on some sitcoms. Um, yeah. I think that just flew over the head of like 1,000% of our listeners. That's awesome. Flew over my head. <laughs> I'll make sure to insert the theme into the segment. No, don't do that. <laughs> I'm playing. Um, no, no, it was a big theme in the show. I mean, I think one of the most sentimental moments is um, when um, they they see their they see Mamaru off into space, or they they you know they 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 give their final condolences to let him um, to go and join uh, 3G in space, and they just accept what's going on. And another awesome scene was when. Um, I won't say what happens, but at Jupiter, where um, Guy's family reunites, is really cool, too. And um, it almost brought a tear to my eye. But they're manly tears because uh, there's so much much hot blood in in this show. Uh, Oh, my God. For one, in in the Japanese version, um, Guy is played by Nobuyuki Hiyama, a.k.a. Viral from Gurren Lagann. So you know this guy's got the pipes on him to uh, do uh, manly super robot attacks of all sorts. Hell, yes. Uh, Volfog actually is the uh, debut role for Katsuyuki Konishi, better known as um, Kamina and Ozma Lee and a whole host of other characters. And although he's more of like the uh, professional ninja type, obviously he can get hot-blooded when the need arises. Heck yes. You got Goldie Marg, which is like the most hot-blooded asshole robot ever. (laughs) That was so great about that because he was so cantankerous and, and so mean. It's like all the all all the other robots that you're introduced to. They're they you know they're all 
they had the you know they had the courage spirit in them. They were you know they they were even hot blooded themselves. But this was a guy that just like it was like it annoyed him that he'd have to go do stuff. And well, because you know they took a shortcut with him and they yeah. based his AI off of uh, Huma, who's sort of like a disagreeable guy to begin with. Exactly. Goldie Mark just amplifies that to like another level entirely. And uh, let's not forget uh, Solitache when it comes to hot blooded. You mean pizza? Oh. <laughs> Well, I'm not pizza. I'm not pizza. <laughs> yeah, Soldat J and uh, King Jader, which is one of the most awesome robots ever. That giant space battleship that turns into a giant freaking robot. When that thing first transforms, you're just uh, my jaw like dropped. I'm like, oh my god. I mean, after all this other stuff that I'm being exposed to, you're gonna have a giant battleship become a giant with uh, the boomerangs of death. There, dude had his own personal SDF Macross, dude. It was awesome. Oh. <laughs> I, I never wanted a toy or something so much in my life as when I saw King Jader appear on screen for the oh first time. Oh, my God. You, and, and Rich was another thing that was so great about it. You know, the, um, the little commercial breaks, they never repeated. It was, they always showed a different toy or a different form or something. With, with English they never stats replayed it. for a Japanese audience. That's yeah. what tripped oh. me out. <laughs> my God. It's Perfect. like you, you're just sitting there and like, man, you, you know that Christmas, that first Christmas those toys are out, man. Flying some, off the shelf. There are some poor parents. You can't even in, find them now. Japan. You can't even find them now. They're 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 completely out of print, of course. And um, well, it has been fun. twelve years. Yeah, it yeah. has been. But I mean, I mean, they must have been flying off the shelves back when the show was on. Quan a couple so. years ago had at FOT had the King Jader. Damn. And the box was huge. It was as big as you thought it would be. Damn, dendrobium big. Bigger than that. Damn. <laughs> it was three hundred fifty bucks. And he finally sold it one day. Oh, but that thing just, just, he just sat there and you looked at it. It's like, oh my God, this is King Jader. Man, God bless who bought it. <laughs> that, that guy better not even release where he lives. <laughs> Might have to put the ski mask on. But uh, Chris, anything else about um, the series in a, in a, as a whole? Or? Uh, no, I have no other comments on the show, so we might as well. Well, what about... What about uh, the final? Uh, Solbro speaks. Hold on. Oh, hold I'm on. sorry. I don't mean to interrupt. No, I don't think. You know what? Solbro didn't get his final say oh, on the he, series. He didn't, he didn't say if he liked it or not. Yes. <laughs> he didn't do the, the, the kingly declaration of. Well, we uh, approve. Like, like Mikey, I liked it. <laughs> what about that last episode, man? How balls to the wall was that, man? That it was some crazy stuff. Oh, my God. I, I, I look at. I look at um, G Gundam's last episode, and it's like it took kind of a little bit from that, and it brought it up to the next level. That thing oh, was yeah. so intense, as although love was the main theme, it was so intense to the last frame of animation. It was it was absolutely awe awe, awe inspiring. Like I said, if, if if any if there's any reason to watch the show besides all the awesomeness that we already mentioned, yeah. that last episode seals the deal. I promise you. Yeah, I would. I would definitely say if I mean if if you're gonna want to watch something, and and we won't we won't ruin the ending mm-hmm. of Gal Gargar like we did with Kogias. <laughs> don't, don't say don't say we and include us in it. It was you. Hey, that was <laughs> that was all you. Don't try to make us your accomplices. Hey, we 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 are we are a triumvirate. Speak for yourself, buddy. <laughs> Doesn't really matter now. I gotta beat that all out. You know that, right? No. But uh. Did it. No, he didn't. I get to use Snoop's new type sound. Beautiful. Uh, <laughs> okay, so let's let's move on to um, Gal Gagar Final, which is the uh, much higher budgeted and much more fan servicey OAV sequel. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
which was rare for the Brave shows because um, the only other Brave show to have an OAV sequel uh, was Dagwon, the predecessor to Gal Gygar, but that only got a two-episode OAV sequel. So, oh, wow. Sleeve, this is different because you had this eight-episode OAV that took like three years to come out, and the last episode was a full hour. Which yes, is it was. definitely fine because um, if it, it definitely, you know, it needed everyone, every amount of that time that they took to uh, make those eight incredibly awesome freaking building episodes. You'd watch the first episode and you're just sitting there and you're like, I can't imagine this getting any better than this. But then it keeps getting better. Oh Escalation. my God, because you have transformations. You have people going to like hyper mode and, and hyper mode of hyper mode. And this well, let's new- do this. Let's do this in order. So oh. uh, first, you know, we have, uh, you know, picks up a little bit after and uh, everything's peaceful until the 11 soul masters show up oh. because they want uh, this magical device called piece of soul. And uh, there's a fake Amoru going around and he ends up killing a new character named Papillon who was like the love interest of Stinky Pete. Antoji, a.k.a. Stinky Pete. That culminates in this amazing fight between fake Mamoru in fake Gao Gygar. Hell yes. And Guy in the new and awesome Gao Figar. Yeah. Which is just an epic confrontation. You're seeing this and you're saying, how the hell could it get any better than this? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, it does. <laughs> <laughs> it does because then they go out into space and they go to like this other universe and it's like kind of like the crazy like level of like constant escalation like you see at the end of Gurren Lagann. Yes. Leading up to the unveiling of the completely kick-ass Genesic Gal Gygar which is like beastly. Mm-hmm. Literally beastly with like claws and, and alliance. Yeah. Predaking is back. Hair. <laughs> and you have one of the most awesomely animated scenes in a Super Robot show ever, which I don't think... I don't know. This gives even Gurren Lagann a run for its money. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Goldie and Crusher. Yes. yes. That was... Oh, my God. It's Damn. like you, you, you're sitting there, and you know you're getting to this point. Because what Chris is saying, you know, in this, in this alternate universe, it's a mirror of our universe. And, you know, it's, even the Earth is mirrored, but there's nobody there except for the 3G team. And you get to a point where each of the different robots are all fighting kind of their made-up rivals. And then at the end, you're getting to the point where, you know, well, nobody's left. And it's, and, it's, and it's Guy. And, you know, he goes into the Goldeon Crusher. And it's just like, you know it's coming. But as you're watching this, and as everything is so incredibly detailed and incredibly just well done when it comes to it it, it, it makes sense you know and and, and it, you know that was another thing about that throughout all the the show and and final is like you have this giant super robot but everything you know the when the transformations and the combinations and everything it looked like it made sense <laughs> you sat there and it's like i you know you're spending you're, you're suspending the, the uh, you know disbelief anyways because you're like i you know whatever it's 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 you know this is just a fake show but it just all made sense and oh my god goldion crusher it, it was nice that that was the final because <laughs> there's nothing you could do i don't know if you could and and, and if they could top goldion crusher I think my head would explode. I don't think there's any way you can top Golian Crusher because even Tingen Topagur and Lagan, when that thing actually appears, yeah, I don't know. It's like putting the two back to back. It's like wow, it's 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 hard to say which one is. I'd more have amazing. to probably give a little bit to the Golian Crusher just because of just everything that built up to it too. 
And I mean, it's like, you know, the final fight of Gurren Lagann is great and everything like that. But just, you know, like I was saying, you know, you have all these factions fighting each other and, you know, it's just, oh, and, and the, you know, the evolution of Guy throughout that, Evoluter you know, be, becoming, yeah. you know, what was he, a Evolver? Evolver Evolu- Guy? Evoluter. Evoluter Guy. And I mean, he just completely evolves each episode. <laughs> you, you, you thought he was powerful this episode. Nope. Nope. Going to get more powerful than X and have some other new gimmick come up. So, but I can only imagine the Super Robot Wars game with Genesis Galgagar. Go last on YouTube. I've, of, um, I've watched it. What's that? I've watched those things on YouTube. Uh, when, the last version of Gurren Lagan and, and the Adeon all in it, man. There won't be a universe left. <laughs> but Maybe that'll happen in a Super Robot Wars. Who knows? Nice. Nice. And but, um, Gal Gagar has shown up there, so. Yeah. And, 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 and final, that's the one where you can only really, it, I, it's only advisable to watch one episode a day because oh, it's, I, it's I too awesome. Those. Because you, you, you might actually have an overload. I you did. could go into diabetic shock. I did. Yeah. I did. You got to pace yourself, man. Oh, Take my. it from me, who watched, who watched like six episodes one day and then the remainder the oh, next. Oh, my God. I couldn't even imagine. But um, I, I see Final as a love letter to the series. It really is. You look at everything that happens in it, the evo- uh, as Neil mentioned, the evolution of the characters, where they end up going and how it resolves itself. It's, it's an amazing watch. Uh, some of my favorite scenes in there are um, the scene where Guy goes to the Coliseum. Yeah. Um, when they're on um, duplicate Earth, that is phenomenal. And then later on, the final showdown in space, you guys had already mentioned some details of it. Absolutely compelling. And I, what, another favorite scene of mine is when, those, when the duplicate Triple G uh, robots end up helping them out in the end. Yeah. Was, was really cool. Other than that, it's, it, it is such a grand finale to a show. That I can't recall a finale to a series as good as that in OVA form. Yeah, because a lot of, a lot of anime series get OVAs that kind of close it out. And this one goes above and beyond his job. Every character's pushed beyond their limits. And, um, it, I can't say enough about it. So I'll just stop here. But, um, Chris, what were your thoughts? I think I pretty much laid it all out. Oh. I mean, I'd have with to... final, it's like you, you watch. It's like you watch one episode and you can't stop watching final. It's like you just need to like yeah. break through the whole thing. I think I watched the last four episodes all in in one shot. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it, you think through the day. It's just like I got just just got to get through the day because once I get home, I get to watch Gal Gagar. I couldn't imagine being a Japanese person and having to wait months or years as these things are coming out because yeah. I would have, I would have probably <laughs> torn out my hair by them. One of the other great scenes in final is when Renee and Soledad are fighting like to almost to their death, man. And it's just like, Oh my God, it's just, I mean, and once again, it's, um, you know, the strength of final, you know, is, is not only the action and the pacing and everything, but once again, the characters, you see that all the characters are still the same, but they've kind of, they've grown up or they've, you know, they, they've moved on with stuff. And, you know, it, it's just that natural progression that people are, you know, you're, no one's the way they were two years ago. And, and, and it was kind of the same way with them. And like the exile, when they get exiled mm-hmm. by earth, you know, and everybody's like, everybody's, everybody's sad, but they're not because they know that they're going to go kick ass. So it's like, I don't know. But um, I just I have I have to say that the final scene is very emotional too. And it's like when you get to that point and you get to the decision at the end, it almost made me want to bust out the Kleenex and cry some more manly tears. Well, you're a bitch. <laughs> I am. I got to say it's very memorable to say the least. So I, I would take it from our uh, uh, the opinions of the three of us. This would be a definite recommendation for anybody <laughs> listening to this segment. Uh, eh, not really. No. Oh. Eh. <laughs> 
Okay. Watch it or don't watch it. Doesn't really matter. Well, if no, you, you, you must watch this show. There's yeah. no reason for anyone to not watch this show. Yeah. Especially if you love super robot shows from the 70s and 80s. This is a direct. This is a very, Actually, I, w- this. I would put this in one of the cases where I think if you're just an anime fan in general, this is something you need to watch. I mean, there's, there's very few shows that completely cross over where it's like you have to. It doesn't matter if you're not even a mecha fan. I think even mecha fa- as much as like what happened with the Gurren Lagann where a lot of the fans aren't, weren't mecha fans and they still appreciate it, it's the same way with a Gal Gagar. I, I think in a way you can appreciate it. You know, then again, that's my opinion too, and I'm sure we'll have people that say, "Oh, it was sucking," and blah blah blah. And you know, I could have wrote better, and blah blah blah. Forced relationship. Well, those people can go directly to hell. <laughs> Ooh, that's that's wow. and that's coming from me. That's coming from Soul Bro. Damn right. You know, he the, said it, not not me. Yeah, the there you go. The, the Switzerland of Gundam. Since, since, since I'm since I'm usually uh, the douchebag of, of MHQ. From yours truly. Yes. With all my heart. So uh, to wrap up, we should probably just do a little bit of housekeeping and mention two things, one which I'll mention. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, For years, there's been rumors of a Gal Gygar sequel called Project Z. And uh, there were some screenshots floating around of uh, Mamoru and, and Kaido uh, you know, fighting off monsters in this new mecha, the Gal Gygo. Hmm. Which, uh, you know, this thing's been mentioned on and off every once in a while, and I don't know how legit those pictures are, but, uh, you know, it sounds like one of those things that just um, gets mentioned and you never hear from it again. So maybe final is the end, and maybe it's not so final. So I think if it's one of those things that if it is, it's fine. Yeah, even the TV show was fine, but the yeah. final was just ridiculously epic and amazing in every regard. So final, you can't get much better of than anything than that. And if they do manage to pull it off, then, well, damn. Yeah, we'll be gushing about that. <laughs> yeah, so. but at this point, uh, it sounds like it's probably never going to happen. And I know Sobro wanted to mention uh, Better Man. Yeah, um, uh, if for those who are interested, um, the, sh- uh, the Gal Gagar series is loosely um, connected to Better Man and from what I hear also connected to another anime series called Brigadoon. Um, if you've already seen those shows, then you might already be able to point out some of the connections. But um, just check Wikipedia and other sources. You'll see what tie, what um, what their ties are, and it's it's very interesting. It makes me want to see Better Man. But um, uh, it's although it's, I don't think it's going to be as good as Gal It's Gagar. not that great. <laughs> is is this something kind of like comparable to uh, Angel Links being a complete piece of crap compared to Outlaw Star? Damn. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't say I did because it is. I, di- I didn't. I didn't say. I wouldn't say that Better Man's a complete piece of crap like that. But I just wasn't feeling Better Man. So and it's it's a much different vibe than Cal Geiger. <laughs> I mean, do do not expect going into watching Better Man. That oh no, I don't. But I, I'll yeah. I'll probably watch it someday when I get a chance. Yeah, it. I, I think it's you know something to watch. But I I didn't. You know, if I never see it again, it's not going to kill me. Okay, so that's my endorsement. <laughs> Bring on the hate uh, to the Mecha Talk forums. So striking. <laughs> Bringing endorsement by Paul for Better Man. Uh, Neo- I, I can see it being printed on the uh, the back of the DVD box. Yeah, the the email okay. is uh, neomahq at gmail dot com. Bring your hate. <laughs> so be sure you send it that way. So, uh, gentlemen, anything else to add about the TV show or final? Pure excellence. Go find it. One of the few times I, I, you know, I would use absolutes. I don't like using absolutes in describing things or rating things, but this is, I would say for the most part, unless you're pretty much dead inside, uh, I don't see how you could not find enjoyment out of 
the series and final. Well, now that now that we finished uh, fapping to Gal Gygar for the last uh, you know thirty five minutes, uh, Sobro, did you like yes. Gal Gygar final? Oh, so we can I end did. this segment. I liked it a lot. <laughs> well, there you have it. So uh, I guess that wraps it up for us in this segment. You are listening to Gundam at MHQ. We'll be right back. <laughs> I'm in the Gundam PTA! Striking out on finding your favorite manga, anime, or series merchandise nearby or online? Lost when it comes to finding pop music from Japan, Hong Kong, and other Asian markets? Well then, Florida Oriental Trading is here to help. If you live in the Central Florida area, head on over to the intersection of Colonial Drive and Mills Avenue near downtown Orlando. You'll find FOT right next to the CVS Pharmacy. Or call them directly at area code 407-895-0650. FOT carries a large selection of merchandise such as art books, t-shirts, posters, wall scrolls, soundtracks, PVC figurines, models, and much, much more. Also, it's a great place to find imports of your favorite musical artists and the latest films from Japan, Hong Kong, and other Asian countries. Last but not least, Florida Oriental Trading is not only home to the best selection of anime on DVD in Central Florida, but there you'll find a wide variety of manga too. On top of that, all of their manga is always priced at 20% less than retail, daily. 20%. That's right, Frank. 20%. Florida Oriental Trading is open every day except Wednesdays from 10 a.m. to 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You even find them open most holidays. So if you're local, stop on by and visit Quan and Debbie or give them a call at area code 407-895-0650. And give them the business. Tell them Gundam at MAHQ sent you. Open. God damn it, open! Prime, you said the Matrix would light our darkest hour. Magnus! I want the Matrix! Never! All right, everybody. Uh, welcome back. Uh, this is one of your hosts, Neo. You know, welcome back to Gundam at MHQ, and um, we're going to be going into um, some further analysis of Gundam Double O by uh, analyzing everything about it. No, we're not scene by that. scene breakdown with yes. uh, storyboards. We're going to do a scene by scene breakdown along with actually some fan reaction and some internet polling. And we're going to talk about half of a Gundam Double O episode each episode. Yes. Yes. Nice. And and even talk about the backgrounds. It's good to be back. No. No, we're not. <laughs> so, actually, uh, th- this uh, this segment's going to be you know something that we haven't done in a long time. Um, Talking out of our asses. No, wait, we do that all the time. <laughs> no, this is uh, just more of a free-form discussion. We're going to be talking about, and, and this is something that we bring up pretty much in every show, but we never really address directly like we're going to do today, and that's going to be a lot of the um, a lot of the show cliches, just a lot of the, um, you know, just the overall production story cliches that are done throughout most mecha series, and, they, and, shared, and they're usually shared throughout even um, all anime and even, like, live-action stuff, but we'll, we'll definitely be more uh, going to you know, towards the ones that are in most of the mecha series and stuff like uh, probably one of the most favorite ones and and the um, 
the one that's referenced a lot in this show is uh, what's been known as uh, Keys Ignition. Oh, you know, man. The, uh, the, the, there's no way to really start a, um, a mecha show anymore without somebody using, leaving the, uh, the power on or the keys in the ignition of a billion-dollar robot. That's right. That can basically destroy uh, half a city. So, it um, is required. But uh, that would be one of the examples. But we're also going to be talking about some of the ones that kind of amuse us and kind of the ones that maybe we don't want to see or kind of frighten us, too. So I'm uh, going to kick this off first probably to Chris here, uh, you know, with some of, uh, some of the uh, mecha anime cliches that um, you, uh, you like, amuse, or, you know, scare you to death. So. Well, you'll probably mention some of the more obvious ones, so I'll stick to some ones I thought of that are not so obvious sure number one this is a absolute definite super robot cliche but it also is shared in shonen fighting shows let's say you're in a really really tough battle (laughs) and you're getting your ass kicked Mm -hmm. when your theme song starts playing your opening theme you are guaranteed to win i would equate that to that's um in a way to equate that would be the hulk hogan revival Oh, yeah. anybody that's ever watched wrestling, you know, when Hulk would get pinned down and he, you know, they, they'd put the hand up to see if he was still alive by that third one, it stays up yep. and the crowd goes, yes. I'll, I'll equate it to something that's even older, man. Hmm. Black exploitation films, man. When <laughs> chefs start walking down the street and they start playing this theme, you saying I'm going to get you, sucker, right? Dude had his own band. Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. That is a funny one. <laughs> the, uh... Oh, man. That's a um, cliche I still love to this day, especially if the song's good. <laughs> but uh, what would be another one, Chris? Lost my train of thought. Uh-oh. Oh, um, oh, amnesia. <laughs> yes, amnesia. Oh, here's another one. Um, this is also shared by non-Mecha animes, but you see it quite a bit too in Mecha. If one of your guys gets captured and you don't see him for like a couple of episodes consecutively, when he comes back, he or she will be a traitor either by free will or by like brainwashing. Oh, man. That is something that we see, the, the old Manchurian candidate cliche, I would have to call that one. One exception to this is uh, in Super Robot Wars, uh, Sanger Zonvolt, he switches sides, not because he's an evil traitor, but because of his convictions. But you do see that guy the whole time that he's captured and then eventually turns with the uh, Divine Crusader. So he's kind of an exception, but he doesn't even really count because he doesn't become villainous. Yeah. He's just fighting on a different side because of you know, his beliefs, and he wants to do a good thing in a different way. Yeah. So he's kind of an exception, but uh, definitely someone gets captured, they come back a few episodes later, they get brainwashed, cyberneticized, magicked, who knows. Or they develop empathy towards their captors or something like that. Sure, and then betray later on. Yes. Mm-hmm. Another one, this is also pretty common across anime. Uh, we mentioned earlier before the show, mystery cough-up blood disease. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Magical consumption. Uh, <laughs> most most recently uh, evidenced by uh, Lasse Aeon in Double O and Lee Shinki in uh, Code Geass R2. And annoying in that case because they make a big, big deal that at the beginning of the show he has mysterious cough-up blood disease. And at the end of the show it's totally forgotten and he's totally okay. And you think that the guy's not even going to make it, but then he does. And yeah. there's no hint of mysterious cough-up blood disease. At least with Lasse, they kind of indirectly, directly kind of linked it somehow, but you could to say... To GN-AIDS, but... Yeah. GN-AIDS. 
or GN cancer, whichever term you prefer. Yeah, no. But uh, with Lee, you never find out what his mysterious disease is or why it mysteriously disappears. Yeah, and that is one that's not even in mecha anime, but that goes across all the specters. <laughs> Actually, that, that probably even goes in the live-action stuff. Goes in, it goes in the video games, too. The first time yeah. I was ever exposed to that was, um, what's his name, Ukiyo Takabana in Samurai Showdown. And that, that dude is still alive after how many games? <laughs> Every time you went with him, he just sits there coughing up blood and looking cool as hell. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> all right, Chris, I'm, I'll get back. We'll we'll get back with you. Why don't we go to the old Sobrol and well, see what he's uh, some of the his favorite one? Sobrol, Sobrol, Sobrol. <laughs> English, Englishine. Well, Sobrol, what you say? <laughs> well, see, um, see what he likes. My first one pertains more to um, Super Robot anime than uh, Real Robot. The professor and his magical weapons at the nick of time. Oh, yes. Yeah. Like, I knew something like this would happen. Dude's in the pinch. The pilot's in the pinch in the show. Yeah. And the professor says, Use, hit this button, do this in this sequence. I am putting this um, special weapon into your suit, and it saves the day. Yes. That, that kind of BS. Or the precognitive professor who makes a badass suit and stows it away somewhere. In the and backup, then, yeah. yeah. And then he dies halfway through the show. And then when the hero loses his suit, he leaves a recording saying, oh, I made this just in case this happens. <laughs> I actually, on a variation of that, that uh -huh. cliche that I, I always like, too, is the suit that was built so long ago, but yeah. nobody could pilot it, that it comes back 15 years later and it can still kick ass. Yeah. That, you know, like, uh, like Toggy. Uh, Toggy syndrome. Yeah, Toggy syndrome. <laughs> It's so archaic looking and antiquated looking, but it comes back and it can still take out the, the most advanced or be on par with the most advanced suits that there is. An another Gundam example is the, the suit that Neo gets in Destiny. The Akatsuki. The Akatsuki. That suit's how many years old? <laughs> when, like two or three years old. And yeah. it's like more advanced than the suits are out in present day. <laughs> yeah. Like, they could have used this in the first freaking war, man. Yeah, well, <laughs> if, if you built this the, during the first war, why didn't you just use it then? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> That mess was on the show for how many years? And, and, and you built, what, the Strike Rouge out of spare parts? He would have survived <laughs> for some round <laughs> with that suit. But, yeah, um, that's one of my cliches. Another cliche is more pertinent in Gundam than anything else, and that's um, mother and child dying in some kind of cataclysmic event. They always, and Tomino's a master at this, yes. but he always focuses on when the colony gets destroyed or a place gets nuked. There's always a mother cradling the child as she gets sucked out to zero G gravity or, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. or gets nuked or in uh, the Macross variation, um, soldier and child. Yes. <laughs> well, I do remember, um, I do remember in Destiny there was a soldier and child episode too, I was think there? in Berlin. Yeah. Oh man. When, when I think the, it was in Berlin. Yeah. The, the big <laughs> Zom. Yeah, the soldier and child. Freaking so. awesome! That always that always that always gets me excited for the cataclysm. That or um, that or the the other variation of that would be dog or cow that gets sucked out of the colony. Yes, with their legs going. Which is which is another funny one. Anytime funny. kids die. Yeah. <laughs> Anything? Any any other ones, Soul Bro? Or? Um, there's a variation of um keys in the ignition that annoys the crap out of me. Although it makes sense in a logical sense. When there is no lock code for a suit, but when the person starts it up, it stays synchronized with that person the rest of the show. <laughs> you mean uh, Dragon R Syndrome? Dragon R <laughs> exactly. Dragon R Syndrome. We saw it in Seed. We saw it in, um, oh, Overman King Gainer. 
Yeah, yeah, that was like the perfect example right there, aside from Dragonar, where, you know, once he became attuned to the suit, it was his. No one else could use it. And that suit was sitting in a museum for God knows how long. And it was also ridiculously old. Yes. Yeah. It was ancient. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, it, it, Yet it could do all this awesome stuff and beat up all these other overmen. It was, it was the top suit, and it was just sitting there with no, with, with no user. I, I, I find it hard to believe, but, you know, it's a, super, it's a robot show, so I got to roll with it. <laughs> But those are my three for the moment. Neo, well, back to you. I, well, I mean, I, I know we're doing some archaic ones, but the one that I always get amused of, and it's you know the top one, and, and this goes not only throughout with Mecha, but just regular anime in general, is secondary character spotlight. Oh. <laughs> when, you mean pineapple salad? <laughs> well, I'm not necessarily pineapple salad, because you know, I'm, I'm talking like... Well, yeah, because... Are you saying it's the one where as soon as someone who's a secondary character gets a lot of focus on them, they die instantly? That one where you're watching an episode and the coming attractions comes up after the credits and you see like Ryu Jose and it's like, <laughs> you know, for instance, and it's like, yeah, you know, Ryu was back there. But wow, you, you didn't realize that. Wow. You know, he's going to actually have more screen time in this whole episode than he did the 20 previous episodes that it, and this is in every show. It's in every show. Victory, it, victory was the biggest purveyor. Yeah. All of, oh, oh my God! Pineapple, pineapple salad, more or less, goes to the long of uh, that's just that senpai finds love waiting to die because uh, you know the the senpai can never be as badass once he finds true love because oh. once he finds it, that means that he's got to go and often die. He's done. Victory. Relating to that is declarations of love will lead to you dying. Oh my god. Our with only with only one recent exception, that being Lock on Stratos Mark II. Yeah. But it led to the death of his girlfriend. So it was it was a reverse. Yeah. It was reverse. Reverse. And curse. um Double O also they threw in, since we just mentioned it, Barack Zinn and you know, guy opens his locker and looks at a picture of his dead wife and tells it to Louise, yeah. which was the instant death mark. It's like, dude Actually, you know what? The told, show- told somebody about your family, you're dead. Actually the show that uh, um, Same with the Tom Mayo's crew too. The show that flipped it though was Frontier because remember, didn't yes. Ozma well, finally did. say his love to Kathy, and yeah. he lived because yeah. we, we, you know, we had the false pineapple salading yeah. in that episode, in that show. But he uh, was shielded by pineapple cake. Yes. There you go. There you go. I went, was from, say, went from vegetables to uh, confections. <laughs> I was going to say keep food out of it because it got Roy killed, and later on it gets not only um, Kayla killed in Char's counterattack, but also Alstonage. Yes. Bringing up the whole salad. Oh, I got the, I'm going to make your favorite make your favorite salad for you. Not anymore. Not anymore. You can't eat salad when you're dead in space. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's a great one. Of course, um, you know, teenage pilot, of course, you know, or in or chosen one. You know, there's there's <laughs> accidental all, teenage pilot or there's no one else that can do this but you and you know, or, or the, the loose veil of you just happen to be the one that's uh, brought up and into this and oh thank God your parents um, you know, help build this machine, <laughs> i.e. F nine one. It's like they build it just Hey, for that's you. mom in the video. Hey, Cat's Cradle is how this complicated mecha moves. <laughs> so it's like all these smart technicians of the Federation couldn't figure out, but a 12-year-old girl could figure out, oh, that's Cat's Cradle. Because as we all know, every child knows every single thing about their parents' profession. Exactly. I did. <laughs> and has equivalent training. I didn't even know what my dad really did till I was like 18. But the, well, the, good specific, lead the specifics of it, I knew what he <laughs> but did. But I'm sure but... you could fight in a war knowing what your dad did. Oh, of course. Full will. Yeah, that's always a great one. But uh, Chris, any, any some other ones that uh, amuse or scare or 
just uh, you know things that you just like seeing. Of course, ridiculously complicated super weapon of doom. Oh yes. I think one of the best examples is uh, Requiem from Destiny. Yeah. It's like okay, we're gonna build this like super giant cannon thingamajig on this one side of the moon, and to like make it shoot to stuff on the other side of the moon. We gotta like have all of these like cylinders from ruined colonies to act as sort of like little like repeaters, yeah, or like little reflectors to uh, bounce the uh, death ray <laughs> off of it and make it like shoot around in like five directions just to go the other direction. Mm-hmm. Which I'm thinking to myself, gee, you know, you know, Jabril and all these guys who hated coordinators so much wanted to kill them. Why not just build it? on the side of the moon that faces all of the plants. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Wouldn't that just be a lot simpler? Yeah, or, or wait till the rotation of the moon faces it. or I mean, yeah, it didn't make any sense. It that, just seemed like needlessly complicated. That and the other one that is, is related to that and probably the genesis of it is the original solar ray system with all those little individual mirrors. You, you had to get it all perfect where they'd all be in a perfect line because, you know, <laughs> if, if that thing fired and one of those things were out of place or back too far or something like that it would probably be disastrous yeah but it worked and it it, did work it was it was like the low rent version because um the solar system because then xeon made the solar ray and they had to evacuate an entire colony and turn it into a giant laser so i think the federation got the better end of that bargain yeah it's just funny with those those doomsday weapons because you know they they make for for these sides that make these quick and, and, and great mobile suits that are fast and, and very powerful to make these giant weapons that take an episode or two to reload or to recharge and, you know, are just so enormous, almost too big yeah. to even control. Uh, s- similar on, on stupid giant weapons in original Gundam, uh, Giren's uh, Dolos class. Like, here, let's make this ginormous ship that can hold, like, a zillion mobile suits but only has a couple of decks to launch them. Yeah. <laughs> And, and really no cannons to protect itself. And hardly any protection, and we built two of these monstrosities, and they both got destroyed. And, and let's put them on point of the attack, of yeah. the counterattack. Sounds you know, like how he's uh, designed it. Because, you know, the, the American Navy puts all, the, um, all their aircraft carriers right up front. In the, in the front lines of the battle there. And, and, and it's a giant carrier that holds, like, like 300 Raptors, and it can only launch, like, one every five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> with, uh, with very patriotic, untrained pilots. Talk about bottlenecking. <laughs> <laughs> but, ma'am, they're very patriotic. <laughs> like, well, that's nice, I that's, guess. Yeah, well, you know. Oh, uh, this is something that I, I've seen uh, recently, but uh, might be taking a bit of a reverse trend. The de-agification of soldiers. Yeah. It's a trend, uh, in Gundam at least, that started, I would say, in Wing, where um, suddenly like all of the professional Oz pilots were guys like in their young 20s or, or maybe like late teens. Yeah. yeah. Like, you look at these guys, uh, like these two dicks, uh, Alex and Mueller. Those guys look like they were like maybe 18 or 19. It's like in Oz, everybody was like late teens, early 20s, except for like, there was like some old guy who appeared one time in space. He was like a really old guy. Yeah, I, I remember like, that. Yeah. Damn, where'd they get this old geezer? And he was in a Leo, I think. Yeah. But then, um, you know, X and Turn A didn't really have that. But then C, they took it to a ridiculously stupid degree where it's like every Zaf pilot looks like they're 17. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that is true. Even the seasoned commanders of the ships were, um, you know, younger. Yeah, I mean, aside from, in, in seed at least, as pilots, aside from Raul Cruze and that bearded submarine dork, Morrison, yeah. 
Did you see like any pilots that were age twenty or above? <laughs> okay, and Waltfeld too, of course. Yeah, Waltfeld. Yeah. No. But those guys were commanders. That's no, to be expected. No grizzled older pilots, man. But yeah. like you know, the the pilots, they're all like these freaking kids, like Athrin and Isaac and all these guys. Yeah. Well, so I have mentioned it like um, the NFL draft. As soon as these kids are getting ready to get out of high school, they get drafted instead of like doing four years in college. I don't think, I don't, <laughs> but I don't think any of these guys even finished high school yet. Yeah, they get they get drafted right but out of there. But they're coordinators, like, so they're super superior. So man, yeah, yeah, they're so superior. This kid just started growing facial have, hair. Get him in skills. <laughs> and 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 the the funny thing on that would be like uh, Shin Asuka, you know, super young, but you know, here's a guy that recently immigrated to our country. Mm-hmm. So we're going to give him our top secret weapon. Man, he was full of hate. That's all the requirement. <laughs> That's all the requirement he stupid. needed. <laughs> oh, uh, another one, and this is definitely one that started up by Gundam, but has been used by a lot of other shows. Uh-oh. A war where one side starts off with a huge technological advantage by creating humanoid robots, but then somehow magically the losing side develops this uber-advanced robot that goes even way beyond, you know, the enemies, and then throughout the course of the story, they eventually catch up and then beat the crap out of the enemy who initially had the gigantic... Uh, technological advantage over them. Yeah. One suit yeah. turns the tide. Which I guess is kind of relatable to real life since, you know, uh, in World War II, the Nazis had, like, really, really advanced technologies and by the end of the war, we're, field- we're fielding freaking jets, but they still lost anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah, at least with Gundam, they always, they, um, a lot of times that side that does the, sh- the switch like that, they have the larger manufacturing capacity, so I think that's where they, you know... Yeah, that, that goes hand-in-hand with the cliche. The side yeah. that has the more advanced technology has fewer resources mm-hmm. and then the other side wins over by quantity rather than quality. And, and on the side note of that would be, too, is uh, the side that's very limited in resources is going to sit there and develop 19 different versions of the same thing or the space-born invaders with the amphibious mobile suits the people on are so Earth, handy yeah because the, the people on earth see no need for it the earth government sees no need for a, a, a water suit but and they're on earth yeah and, and they're on earth it must be uh, to fight aquaman <laughs> But. He's down there with those dolphins and those whales. Got to take care of him. Can't let that guy run around. Oh, man. Soul Bro. The one I have is um, pretty much a wannabe love interest. The the kid's sister character. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, Frau Bo is a perfect example. So is um, so Fa. Is Fa and Fa. So- Soshi on um, Turn A Gundam. Those characters. The kid's sister, in quotations, the character who wants to be noticed by the main character, but um, doesn't ever get that lucky. Um, in Fall's <laughs> case, it took um, Camille getting brain raped. <laughs> and in Soshi's case, it just got really bad. <laughs> uh, poor Soshi. She um, found nothing. Damn. Her she didn't crazy crazy mom. <laughs> but she was still cool. And then um, loser villain. Always got to be there, man. The, the, the uh, Johnny Lawrences of Mecha anime. Burr Burnings. <laughs> As, as bad as some guys like Jared Messa were, man, Burn Burnings was just such a loser. Oh, yep. my God. Yeah. And then you got to add, um, to some degree, um, Todd Guinness, which is one of my favorites. I love me some Todd. He was like the Archie Bunker of anime. That guy was classic. But you know what? The thing about Todd Guinness was he had skills. Yes, he did, man. Yeah, he Burn did. Burnings did not. Well, he was straight out of Southie, baby. <laughs> Chicago boy. Man. Hey, Jeff, what you doing? <laughs> He was hilarious. Oh, man. But, um, yeah, the loser villain, which is something I don't get tired of. 
I just like to see it done in more innovative ways. And it, yeah. lately, anime has become more and more apt to do it differently, and I think that's cool. But if, if they just only remember to sweep the leg, they might win one day. <laughs> they might win. But um, Sobro, you were going to mention, uh, and I'm, I'm going to jump in and, and steal your thunder, you were going to mention the uh, mystery girl in the box? Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. the um, the Melfinas of anime, uh, slash Nia, slash, um, gosh, who else? Um there's always a in some shows. There's Amnesia always a mysterious girl, girl with superpowers. Past, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. usually um, artificially created. <laughs> somehow, some way, yeah. Somehow tied to uh, some weapon or mm-hmm. or piece of equipment, and, and doesn't know their existence. End up being seen as this as this pure, um, uncorruptible force, and then they end up falling in love with the main character, but the main character doesn't have an interest in them in that way at first, and then. By the end of the show, they end up together. Sorry to jump in here, but mm-hmm. when you're talking about the, the unreclited love girl, I, I also like the cliche with them where they're usually the cheerleader. They're the pilot's biggest cheerleader. Oh, yeah. You know, they, <laughs> they are. You know, if you think <laughs> of like a, fra- a Frau Bo and all of them, you know, <laughs> yeah. if, biggest cheerleader, i.e. biggest maid. Mm-hmm. You know, here's some food. Biggest here's... cheerleader who gets dejected. Exactly. <laughs> I said pilot's like, whatever, I don't care. Oh, exactly. Uh, also, the, the girl in the box usually is naked, i.e. Proto-1 from Votomes. Yeah. But naked, even no hair. Although Proto-1 is one of the best examples. I, 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 I love Fiona. She was... um. She was really cool, especially towards the end of that show. Isn't a girl on Full Metal Panic? Uh, Chittery. Chittery, isn't she to some degree that as well? Yeah. She's yeah. not like, she's got mysterious power. She doesn't know, but yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty much like that. One of the other ones, the cliches that, you know, that's been around all, o- all over the place is, um, you know, and we, we see it every so often, especially in the Mecha series, especially in um, uh, like a Macross and stuff would be uh, old grizzled Wizen Captain. <laughs> You know, been through all the wars and everything like that and knows what to do just at the nick of time. Like the guy from Space Battleship Yamato? Yep. Yes. And uh, what's his face? Oh, God, what was the guy's name in Frontier? The guy that would, the, the one girl had a crush on? What the heck was that? Oh. Started with the J. The guy that was... Jeffrey Wilder. Jeffrey yes. Wilder. And, of course, the original Captain Global. Of course, man. He was like the reinvention of that character. Would, would y'all say that Odama is somewhere in there, too? Captain Odama from Battlestar Galactica? Oh, well, yes. He was always wise and old captain. Oh, man. On that. Well, what's interesting is, if you look at Bright Noah, he became the wise and old captain. He certainly did. But at did. first, he didn't know what the hell he was doing. That was probably the first time you saw how the wise and old captain was created. Yeah. Because by, what, Char's counterattack, he's wise and old captain. He's so wise. Even by Zeta, he was the wise and old captain. Yeah. He went through a lot. Yeah. He, by, for, by. for a 19-year-old ensign. Yeah, that's true. By the time Charles counter counterattack rolled around, he had the butterfly collar. <laughs> it was good to go. <laughs> that dude was so comfortable at the job. I, I do like his um his portrayal in Zeta though, man. He would he had kind of been on the bench for years, and he came back, man. He, it's like he didn't miss a beat. He had been what piloting um passenger ships for like seven years. Yeah, he just got completely out of the 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 captaining of a warship scene. Period. And well, I, I don't and think then, that was by choice. Yeah, but. Some of the other cliches I always kind of find funny or, you know, that, that, that always kind of prop, crop up, too, is um, family members of Doom. You know, family members that get killed yeah. or change, um, you know, change the, the outlook of a pilot or the outlook of the character or, or make a change, i.e. Uh, evil brother, you know, brother that's on the other side. Our character just comes from a broken home. Yeah. Like most leads do. <laughs> <laughs> but um, anything else, guys, before we kind of... Because I'm sure that we could kind of keep going on with this, and this is perfect mecha talk. 
continuation stuff here. One last one that I think is, is another, it's another big one in mechas especially, rather than like a general one. Really fast repair turnaround time. Oh my god. <laughs> like, you know how sometimes it takes like, it takes a while to like fix the mecha, but uh, sometimes if it's, if it's a really important battle, then man, they fix this thing like that's beaten up so much like amazingly fast. Like for example, perfect example is I think is uh, Gundam X. Oh yeah. Where Gundam X gets totally raked by Karis Nautilus, mm-hmm. and within one freaking day, Cute. kid, to his credit, because the poor kid is stabbing himself in the leg with a screwdriver to, so that the pain keeps him awake, yeah. in one freaking day, magically turns it into the GX divider and upgrades it with all these awesome weapons and parts, and it's, like, ready to go. The other one would be First Gundam, where a <laughs> ship that had most of its crew gone... No one was really trained and nothing but civilians or kids on it, mm-hmm. especially towards the middle of the show when the Gundams and the gun tanks and the cannons are getting kind of, you know, getting abused out there. The ability that they're the most advanced prototype weapons, they're able to fix them <laughs> on the fly, especially like stuff where like, you know, sailors getting the Gundam's foot cut off and stuff like that. You know, it's like, but they're magically there. That's a great cliche, too. So, well, my, my last one is um, Idiot Savant slash Genius. Like, some of them are, like, some people grow into their ability mm-hmm. in some shows. Like, Amaro is one one perfect example. He went from not knowing how to pilot anything, I mean, until being, like, the new type pilot champion that Bright's talking about him on the bridge. It's like, hey, um, I, it's like, I keep seeing potential in this kid. And, um, and, and, uh, and then there's um, the character who's a genius but not the main character, and that was invented by Maximilian Genius in... Um, in a, in the Macross series, yeah, those type of characters, those really, those really catch my attention. Because some well, for, in, for in, the most in part, in ways with Max, though, Max is actually better than Hikaru. It was what you know in a way because <laughs> he didn't wreck his plane as much. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't. He barely come back with a scratch sometimes. Yeah, remember his first sortie was what seven? He got seven or something like that, uh, yeah. Chris. Yeah, and Hikaru's only got four. Yeah, and he's like, oops, sorry, I got more than you. And I didn't would, mean to do that. And he was a squadron leader. Hikaru was a squadron leader. So, and, and, uh, and the next thing you know, he's moving on Minmay. It's like confidence, Dick. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I forgot one, and this will be my final one. Go ahead. We, you had kind of mentioned it before. Is uh, kid mascots because uh, it, it always seems like you got to have kid, oh. mas- especially in Gundam. Yeah. And you know, it was it was brought in with the the shark teeth original three and then really put painfully and honest with uh, Shinta and Kum <laughs> or even on a um, kind of a, a side, side note of it would be the young child that said pilot meets and then is um, said pilot sees poor child get blown up in shuttle i.e. whatever shuttle uh, train transport Kira. whatever it might be <laughs> So. Like like the seed flower girl. It was bad enough that the little girl had to die in the shuttle, but in, in, in special edition, we we have to not only see it, but we see the inside of the shuttle as she's as the beams blowing her up. Dang. Yeah. That's harsh. I gotta close this off with one that. Okay. Uh, you know the the granddaddy of them all. Okay. The super awesome prototype robot that later gets mass produced into a useless piece of crap. <laughs> It is nowhere near as good as the prototype. Yeah, sound familiar? Yes, Dragonarm was was one of the, had that in there, didn't it? Mm. Kind of. Well, they actually kind of had a rip about that because uh, Gimme's like, it's odd the prototype would be stronger. Yeah. 
No, boy. That's the way it is. <laughs> the GMs. So ways to be yeah, the GMs also. The Dragon Art, the whatever those um what were those things called, Chris? The mass produced dragon R's? Oh, uh Dragoons. The Dragoons, yeah. And don't forget the Dumbine. Remember those were originally like just regular grunt suits. Yeah. And then um there's one left. <laughs> yeah, they all get blown up and, and then there's just one left. All the suits after it that get mass produced aren't anything <laughs> compared to the, the the Dunbine, which is was just seen as a common suit. It's kind of the reverse of that, but yeah, that is that is definitely an age old um, trope right there. All right, well, that's some of our thoughts on there. And like I said, I'm you know any, anybody that can think of it, anybody listening out there thinks of any others. Uh, this is definite perfect Mecha Talk continuation material here. So we'll be getting out of here. You're listening to Gundam at MAHQ. You see us uh, struggling in the car. You walk up, you open the door, and you say, You're lying, George. Oh, uh, hey, you, get your damn hands off her. You really think I ought to swear? Yes, definitely. Damn it, George, swear. Need a cake, but you don't want something boring from the local supermarket or a bakery? In the South Florida area, try EpicSugarWorks.com. This bakery specializes in creating cakes based off of your favorite anime series, video game character, or whatever custom design you're looking for. Their online store also features anime and video game themed chocolate lollipops, as well as gift certificates if you want to give something to somebody. So if you're looking for a cake that's above the norm, go to EpicSugarWorks.com. It's epically delicious. Next on Flip the Script. So my guess though, he there's a lot of parts of the funny. What the hell is he talking about? Do you show watch that shit? We laughed all day long. Yeah. Because it's so old and it's so well in You dummy guys. Exactly. Exactly. Don't you dare laugh at Gundam. Oh my god, it's so serious. You want some chocolate? I'm going to bet you told me to laugh at that. I mean, even Jesus laughs at people and he loves Gundam. So why can't we laugh at Gundam? Do you not have the Robotech one on there? Because I, th- well, I got them all up. To, to me, that's still the best one. When contact, it comes, okay. yeah. That's my second video, too. Uh, that's because that's Mac and it's Brown. Even like, when the record the skips, I still grip. I yeah. still grip. That's, that's right. right. No way. His best AMP is Brady's Lament. Shut mm-hmm. the fuck. That's fun. No, it's not, everybody. That is my personal favorite. It is damn low approved. Everybody has their favorite. Oh, oh, good night. You're the worst damn. person here. I swear to you. <laughs> what did he say? Oh, yeah, damn. he's it's the damn. worst person for saying that. See, it's cool. You know what? You said it first, though. I must say. Thank you. you, you what did you, you say? Say about that. <laughs> All right. Sorry. What did he say? Now finish the. Finish the oh, always, it always is. keep a lookout for Bernie's Lament 2.0. Okay, look. <laughs> Bernie's Lament remix. was an AMV I made to Gundam hey, Gundam 0080, which has two characters. It's two late. Characters. I'm drunk. <laughs> a twelve-year-old boy. A twelve-year-old <laughs> oh, boy. Oh boy! <laughs> who looks at who looks at war as a game? Mm-hmm. He meets With a very soul. short shorts. <laughs> he, yes. does wear, he does wear high booty shorts. It's the eighties. God damn it! Everybody wore then there's a twenty-year-old dude, especially twelve-year-old boys, talking to a twelve-year-old boy in short shorts. Now in disguise. Wow. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, I'm gonna stop talking. Hey, dude. Let's go bold. Start talking and talk fast, you lousy bum. We've been frantically trying to reach you, dude. Where is my goddamn money, you bum? Well, we... I, 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 I don't... They did not receive the money, you nitwit! They did not receive the money! Her life was in your hands! This is our concern, dude. No, man, nothing is f here. Nothing is f No, man. The goddamn plane has crashed into the mountain! Must be... All right, everybody. Uh, so concludes episode 34 of Gundam at MHQ. Uh, this is Neo, one of your hosts, along with Solbo and Chris. Hey, hey. And this episode actually started off really well. Uh, you know, a little fiery with the uh, in the opening Neo's news with the return of the Straight Talk Express, everybody's favorite um, uh, opinion soundboard there. And uh, in this episode, it's actually going to be kind of a, a, a Gundam-free episode to the most part. Uh, we finally did the long-awaited anime spotlight of King of Braves, Gal Gygar, uh, which included the show plus uh, final. So we talk about both, um, you know, both the show and the OVA. And uh, we only did two topics this episode. And the last topic was uh, some of our favorite and amusing uh, cliches in mecha anime Gundam. And, and some cliches that actually fall throughout all anime and even some, a lot of our live action shows. They're just kind of more of a, a free-form discussion of some of the things we like or whatever. So, But uh, Chris, uh, anything before we go? No. Everything, right. everything I needed to was done with uh, the new segment, so I'm good for now. It's okay. off his chest, yo. Nice. And uh, Solbro, hit the folks up with our contact information before we go because I can see you sitting there pacing like a caged tiger ready oh, to no, jump man. in ready to riff. at any second. Pete the website. Uh, mahq.net for your information on uh, mecha and anime. Gundam.net for the latest episodes of Gundam. Uh, you can also find us on iTunes, MySpace, Facebook, and Zoom, as well as uh, many other places. The bandwidth for our show is brought to you on Mevio. Check them out for our podcast and others. And you can find the latest happenings at MAHQ by going to twitter.com slash M-A-H-Q-D-O-T-N-E-T. And um, you can also reach us by email by sending messages to GundamMAHQ at gmail.com. Wow, we have everything except a phone number. <laughs> Call 1-800-GUNDAM, order now, and you get a free Master Grade Unicorn Kit for $19.95. This is, this is Billy Mays here for Gundam.net. No, it's not. <laughs> All One impersonations of, these of Billy Mays are poorly done. Oh, man. And the secret's stop. in the internet connection. And, and, and shall stop. <laughs> that is being deleted. So um, Billy Mays. Well, thank you, Solbro. Thank you, Chris. And thank you, everybody else, for listening to us. We'll be back in a few weeks. And like Chris said, um, if anybody is in the Orlando area on the weekend of the 22nd of May, and you see us there, I'm sure you see our pictures on the MySpace and Facebook pages. So you know, just come up and say, hey. So this is uh, one of your hosts, Neo, and we're saying goodbye and we're listening to Gundam at MHQ. Well, I don't need a doctor. Damn it, I am a doctor. You need to get back to your seat. I had one in the bathroom with no windows. I suffer from aviophobia. It means fear of Sir, for your own safety, sit down, or else I'll make you sit down. Fine. Thank you. This is Captain Pike. Are you clear for takeoff? I may throw up on you. I think these things are pretty safe. Don't pander to me, kid. One tiny crack in the hull and our blood boils in 13 seconds. Soul flare might crop up, cook us in our seats. And wait till you're sitting pretty with a case of Andorian shingles. See if you're still so relaxed when your eyeballs are bleeding. 
spaces, disease and danger around the darkness and silence. Gundam at MHQ is a Shinjuku station in the MHQ production. Fate rarely calls upon us at a moment of our choosing.